Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to speak to all four congregations today, Horsham, Crawley, Worthing and Burgess Hill. And also welcome to anybody else who's joining us online, whether live or you're watching this at another time. We're right in the middle of this Roman series that we're going through. But before we get into the word this morning, I just want to share a couple of uh, visions, things that Jane and I have had uh, last Wednesday at the encounter night that was taking place uh, here in Horsham, which will kind of lead us into the message and what I believe God wants to do and say to us this morning. And both of us had these at the same time without knowing that the other was... was uh, getting something from the Lord. But firstly, I'll just share what Jane had. Uh, she uh, saw, you know, Matthew 17, when Jesus was transfigured, he took Peter, James and John up the mountain and he was revealed in his glory. What, what Jane said, she, saw, she said, I saw Jesus transfigured and he was glorified, shining in his majesty as the disciples saw him. And then heard the same as they did, this is my beloved son. And then she believed God was saying this to, to us as a church. As we worship and praise, he is lifted up and that he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. So as the nations and the peoples rage all over the earth, God at the same time has his people exult in Jesus, loving him, honouring him and pouring out their worship to him. And what the analogy she saw in that moment was to kiss the son, that as we worship in this way, that we kiss the son. And as that happens, he is revealed to all and that people see him and that they have revelation of him. Now, while Jane was having that uh, vision and, and just God showing her that, I had a, a, a different vision, another vision. And what I saw was many thousands, it was like in this, in this thing of mountaintops, high places, in many nations, it was like I could see a certain amount of the globe. And, and on these mountaintops, these high places were beacons and they were, they were on fire. And as I saw this scene, uh, I believe God said to me that the beacons of fire in each place are the worship and the prayer of the saints, of the people of God. And that God is calling his church, his people to be a high place before him. And <clears throat> as the worship and the prayer was taking place, the intensity of the fire, how bright it was, how hot it was and how far it could be seen was determined by the intensity, if you like, or the pressing in, the pushing in of the people of God in worship and in prayer. And for us as Kingdom Faith, I believe that God said the other night 
that I've called you to be a high place, that you are a people of worship and of prayer. And that in these days and times, I want you to respond to me, to be coming up the mountain together, to worship, encounter and to pray for my purposes. And as I was watching this and hearing this, I saw the picture kind of pan back a little bit from just many, many mountaintops with beacons of fire to then being able to see the sides of the mountains and, and the hills that in relation to them. And because it was a night scene, uh, it, this was more, it was clearer and more obvious. But you know what it's like when you've got a, a town or a village on the side of a hill or a mountain and it's nighttime, you see all the lights lit up and, and it's like stars in the sky when you see it from a, from a distance. Um, and, and what I believe God said is that our homes are the places where we cultivate in worship and prayer the fire of who he is, the fire of his spirit. And that when we come together as a body, whether locally in a congregation or together as a church in different settings, that we come with the fire of God the life of who he is in worship and prayer that we've been cultivating in our homes and that we come together as a high place, as a people of worship and prayer. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, often God encountered different people like Moses, Abraham, Elijah and others up on high mountains, high places where he revealed himself, they had encounters, he spoke to them. But we also know in the Old Testament, when the, the people of God, the Israelites, weren't walking with God, they began to worship other gods and idols and they set up Asherah poles, but they would put them on high places because they were replacing who God was in their worship and they were now setting up other altars and idols that they, man-made things that they began to worship. Now, when kings of Israel who followed God were reigning, they pulled down those high places of worship to other gods and idols and Asherah poles and instead got the people to return back to worshipping the God of Israel, their God, uh, in, in that sense. And so we see this picture of high places being important in terms of worship and how God can be replaced by other things in people's lives. Often Jesus went up the mountain to pray. He went, often went up to Mount, the mountain of Gethsemane to be on his own to pray. He went up to pray with the Father. He took Peter, James and John in the transfiguration story, Matthew 17, that we've already heard about. He took them up, it says, a high mountain and there he revealed who he was in his glory uh, in that way. And <clears throat> what happens is when people take their eyes off God, when mankind, as it has, takes its, its eyes and its focus off God, other things are then set up as idols and gods in their lives. And what we see in our culture today is that often I, me, has become the centre. We've begun to worship ourselves. We put me, I, in the middle. And we see that in different ways in lifestyles that people are living. Often we can worship other people, have idols, uh, pop stars, film stars, sports stars. Uh, sometimes money can be an idol or the things that we have become idols. And we see that in the world. Now, why is that? Because as people, we are created by the creator. And we're created to know the creator 
and to worship the one who is the creator. And this morning, as we get into the word and as we look at Romans chapter one and some things then in Romans chapter three, where we're going to go today, we're going to see what happens when people take their eyes off God. But then what happens when we put our eyes back on God and what takes place? And so we're going to cover a few scriptures that we've looked at already, but in a different way. A few weeks ago, we looked at God's redemptive wrath where he, he saw how mankind was living, but then how did he deal with that? And how we saw that God's redemptive wrath is a really positive thing because as he dealt with sin, according to his wrath, being released on Jesus on the cross, Jesus took all of sin and sickness on himself, took the punishment of that so that we could be forgiven and healed and made right with him. So God's redemptive wrath is something to be thankful for. And we say, Father, I thank you that you demonstrated your wrath on the cross and dealt with all the negativity so that we could come into the positive. And then the following week, we looked at God's eternal wrath or God's righteous judgment, which is talking about judgment day that at once that one day where everyone is going to have to give an account for their lives and what we've done with it. And for those that know God, that day is not one to be feared because we know on that day, he's going to look at us as if we've walked with him and we've, we've sought to live that obedient life with him and, and however he's wanted us to be. When we meet him that day, he's going to say, hey, son, daughter, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy uh, your inheritance with me. But for anyone who does not know God, who's never surrendered their lives to God, that judgment day is going to be an awful day. It's going to be a fearful day because the decision to where you spend eternity is not made on judgment day. That decision is made while we live on earth in response to who God is. Okay. And so we're going to jump into Romans chapter one, read a few verses here and then jump into Romans three and see what God says in response to what we're going to read here in Romans one. So Romans chapter one, verse 20, it says, for since creation, for since the creation of the, of, of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. What's Paul saying here? He's saying that God has revealed who he is in creation and that that, that alone lets us know that God is real, okay? Then it says, verse 21, for although man, they, knew that God, uh, knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Wow, this is what happens when we take our eyes off God. So mankind in general, okay, has taken their eyes off God. They don't view God as to who he is let in creation, let alone in the way that he wants us to know him. And when we take our eyes off God, we put our eyes on other things. When we stop worshipping God, we start to worship other things. And the fruit of that is this, that we are thinking as people, not just people that are saved, but we're talking about people in general here, that when we don't worship God and honour God and, and relate to God, it says our thinking becomes futile and our hearts become foolish because they have become 
darkened. The word futile there means to become worthless. Our thinking becomes worthless. Now, this is in relation to who God is. Often in life, people compare themselves to other people. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm fairly good. I'm not as bad as that person and, and, and this. And so we measure ourselves or people measure themselves against what they think is good or acceptable. But yet what Paul is writing here is in relation to who God is what is futile, what is foolish. And what he's saying is when you take your eyes off God and stop glorifying him and who he is, your thinking becomes futile, worthless. Uh, our hearts become foolish because they've now become darkened. Verse 22, this is what happens, a continuation. Although they claim to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? That God reveals his glory in creation, wants to reveal who he is to us as mankind. The glory of God, the majesty of God, to know him in that way, the creator, and yet as mankind, we've exchanged the glory of God and we've now focused on the mortality of man and worshipping him. Where does that lead? Where does that lead? Verse 24, when that happened, therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God, the truth of who he is, the glory of who he is for a lie and then worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Wow. This is what we see going on around us and, and we know this, that when we don't glorify God and honour God, we end up glorifying ourselves our own lives, our own bodies, our own desires and we become corrupted in that sense. Verse 26, let's continue on. Because of this, God gave them over to their shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Now, we know we live in a highly sexualized culture and society. Many adverts we see even on the TV have a connotation, some sort of sexual connotation, even though the, the thing that's trying to be sold has got nothing to do with that, but it's to seduce us in. It's like a, it's, it, it's like a, a growing appetite for everything to be sexualized in certain ways. And what Paul is saying here is that once people take their eyes off God and the glory of God, we begin to worship ourselves. We begin to worship images that we make. We begin to worship other people, all kinds of things that we begin to give ourselves to. Then it continues on. Verse 28, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind, a corrupted mind, okay? To do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness. 
evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Wow, the list goes on. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So Paul is not uh, taking sexual sin and, and putting that aside and saying, right, we need to make a bigger issue of that than other things. Now, what he's saying here, he's saying we are all in need of God, no matter what is going on in your life and that God doesn't grade sin and say, this is worse than that or this is not so bad as, as this. No, he's saying, look, everything from, from envy to strife to deceit, malice like anger. He's saying gossip, if you slander others, arrogance, pride, boasting. He's saying if you disobey your parents, uh, if we're heartless, ruthless. He's basically saying, look, guys, we all need God. We all need his salvation. We all need his mercy. And so he then goes into God's righteous judgment. So what does God do in order to deal with this stuff, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago in terms of God's redemptive wrath being expressed. So let's see where Paul goes in Romans 2 here. He says, you therefore have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you pass judgment do the same things. Wow. So he's, he's speaking about any kind of lifestyle, way of thinking, speaking that is outside of how God has called us to live in relationship with him. He's kind of saying, hey guys, don't point the finger at anybody else. Don't look at people who don't know God and point the finger and think you're better than them. Don't look at someone who is a believer, who is seeking to follow God and say, well, there's this wrong in your life and that wrong in life. What he's basically saying is, hey guys, don't look at others and pass judgments on them. Just keep a check on your own heart and life that you're keeping your own heart and life in line with who God is and how he's called you to live in relation to him. Now, the other night uh, in the encounter night here and the vision that I saw, we had a, a kind of response after that. And, and I can't obviously go through the whole thing because it was quite a lengthy response, but it, it, was, it, was, it was powerful. And I want to encourage you to go to, and, and check that out yourself, okay? And look at that and just see what was prayed in response to the vision that God gave us that night. And I believe the response is so, so important for who we are as a church at this moment. And you know, you know when the Holy Spirit's doing something in a moment, there's so much grace on it that God can speak really clearly and quite strongly, but yet there's so much grace on the response in relation to what he's saying that that is so powerful in the moment. And I can't recreate that, but uh, hopefully I'm giving enough that you're going to go and say, right, I'm going to go and check this out because I believe every one of us in Kingdom Faith Church needs to respond to what was brought on Wednesday night in Horsham uh, to do with that. And I, what I'd love to do, I'd, I'd love to get every one of us in the whole church, everybody in a room together 
okay? At the same time, and we all say, right, let's go right on the mountaintop together. Let's worship like we never have before together. Let's pray in a way we've never prayed before and let the fire of God come upon us in such a way that he consumes us like never before for him and for his purposes. And the, the hunger and desire in us is like, God, I want to burn with who you are. I want to burn on the inside with the fire of your Holy Spirit so that there's nothing in me whatsoever that wants to go near anything that is not of you, that you've caught and captivated my heart in such a way that I want to give my life daily to walk as closely as I can with you so that others can see who you are and, and that there's nothing in me that want to condemn or judge or criticise anybody else. But in me, I'm living in a place of peace and rest and wholeness and purity because of the fire of who you are on the inside of me. Man, I'd love it if we could get into a room like that and say, God, come and do that amongst us. But I know it's not going to be possible for us all to get in a room at the same time. But what you can do, is get in a room with God on your own, in your home. You can get in a room with others that you're friends with, in your small group, those that you're doing life with, and say, hey guys, let's worship together. Let's pray together. Let's see God do something amongst us, new and fresh, so that we get our eyes on the glory of God. Because as kingdom faith, as a church, as kingdom faith, I think sometimes, I'm just sharing my heart here, guys. Sometimes I think when we think church, we, we start thinking going to church, attending church, being in a service, um, doing church programs, just, just, I don't know, doing church in that way. And, and I, I sometimes think God just doesn't see us like that um, in, in terms of how we've, we've made church to be. And he just sees us as his people. He sees us as those that he is filled with himself and how he's called us to live and to be light to the world that is around us and, and how he sacrificed and gave himself fully to us. And he's saying, hey guys, I want you to do the same for me. And, and one of the things I believe God wants to do that came out on Wednesday night, and you need to hear it in context as well, which will help, is that we don't have any other altars in our lives that we go to to worship, to give ourselves to. But actually there's one altar and that's him. But on that altar, we put our lives on that altar in a fresh way. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you come upon me? And would you come and set a light that which belongs to you? so that I'm burning passionately with you. God came with his redemptive wrath to deal with all the stuff that we've read about in Romans 1 because of his love. God loves people. He sees where people's hearts are. He sees where people's lives are. 
and he just wants to reach out and grab into the depth of their being and set them free from everything that separates them from him. For you and I that know God, or most of us probably that are listening to this, God has already reached down into the depth of our hearts and lives and dealt with so much by his mercy and grace and love. And the amazing thing is we can still come to him boldly and confidently for him to do whatever he wants to do in us. But check out that thing from Wednesday night and just see what your response is to that on Wednesday. Now, let's just jump into Romans chapter 3. Paul writes here, in relation to what we've read in Romans 1, in relation to people trying to be righteous according to the law, but nobody can, we cannot make ourselves righteous. He then says this, what shall we conclude then? Are we any better? None of us are better than anybody else, not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. What's he basically saying? There is no one righteous, not even one, as he says in verse 10 here. What's he say here? There's no one that understands or seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who, is, who does good, not even one. Just hang on, there's good news coming. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Wow, we're just reading the Bible here. This is how God sees mankind living outside of relationship with him. No one is righteous. But, look at this, but... Verse 21, now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. You see, the law in the Old Testament pointed towards something. It pointed towards how God wanted his people to live, both the Jews then and now after the cross, a Jew that, is, that, that comes to know Jesus or a Gentile that is born again, how, the, the law points us, this is how God wants us to live in, our, in and of ourselves. We can't live it, it's impossible. That's why we need his grace to enable us to live the life he's called us to. But also, it also says, apart from the law, it's been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. So even prophetically in the Old Testament, it was prophesying and pointing us towards the Saviour that was gonna come to make salvation possible so that no longer were we under the control and the curse of sin, but we're liberated and set free from the power of that so that we could walk in the goodness and the freedom and the liberty of God. Verse 22, this righteousness, which we're talking about now, this salvation from God comes through faith in Christ to all who believe. Wow. The great thing is, where does that faith come from to believe? It comes from Him. <laughs> so everything we need comes from Him. Then what does it say? This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all of us, everybody, saved or non-saved, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen to this though. But all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption, the salvation that came by Jesus Christ when you put your faith in Him. <laughs> so you got the bad news, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but then you got the good news that salvation, redemption comes through Christ Jesus. How? Verse 25, God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement, of cleansing, of forgiveness, through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So God presented Jesus as the sacrifice, as an atonement, as our cleansing, through faith in His blood. Don't you just love what God has done for us, who Jesus is in our lives? Verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So this faith that we have is because of the righteousness of how God expressed his justice on Jesus on the cross, dealing with every sin, every depravity, everything that could corrupt us to make salvation possible, to make freedom possible. And he says he justifies those who have faith in him. What does the word justified mean? It means, we've heard people say this before, just if I had never sinned, he wipes the slate clean. There's no regrets. He deals with every shame, every guilt and brings freedom, healing in our lives so that we can walk in the righteousness of God, being made right with Him, which brings total peace, shalom and well-being into our hearts and lives. Let's just take a few moments just to respond and pray this morning uh, in relation to what He's been saying and doing in our hearts already today. So let's just take a few moments. Firstly, just thank the Lord for being a child of His, for everything that He's done in your life. Just thank Him for His grace, His mercy. Thank Him for what He's forgiven you for. If there's anything that you know has taken first place in your life, some of the things we might have read earlier in chapter one of Romans, Maybe some of those things you think, wow, I do that. Well, I find myself doing that. Wow, you know, whatever it might be, just bring your heart and your mind, your whole being before the Lord afresh this morning. Say, Father, I ask you to cleanse my mind. I ask you to forgive me for that way of thinking, the way I've been speaking, the way I've been gossiping, or my thoughts and attitudes towards others. Maybe there's something that really has become first place in your life other than Him. And you just need to draw back and say, Father, I, I just want to surrender afresh to you. Please forgive me for 
putting other things first and giving myself to them, whatever that might, might be. Just bring yourself afresh under his lordship today. Thank you, Jesus. And now just thank him that everything that he has done, is doing and will do in your life is according to his righteousness that is at work in you, a righteousness that is by faith, not works, not striving. We just thank him right now. Father, I thank you that you have made me righteous. You have made me holy in your sight. You've cleansed me. You've purified my heart. I thank you for the power of your blood that is at work in me right now. And Father, I want to live what your word says here to be a demonstration of your justice, of your goodness, of your love, of your life to others. And Father, I ask you for your grace just to cultivate in my home being a place of worship and prayer, a place where your fire is at work. So that when I gather with others, whether in a small group or just with friends or on a Sunday or in an encounter night, a prayer meeting, whatever context I gather with others, the fire of your spirit is going to be at work. Father, I just pray for who we are as a people at this time, that you'd find us responsive to you in every way that you're speaking. So there's a greater and greater release of your life in us and through us, in our homes, to our neighbours, work colleagues, friends, family members, in our schools, colleges, wherever we are. Thank you, Jesus, in your mighty, awesome name. Amen, amen. Bless you guys. Maybe check out uh, the encounter night in Horsham on Wednesday, particularly the end part, the last half an hour or so. And uh, maybe just spend some time with God responding in that way there as well. And it'll probably make a bit more sense in terms of what I've been sharing this morning. So bless you guys. Have an amazing day. Have an amazing week. See you soon. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.